singers. And uh, I'd like to... Oh, Mr. Uh, right to Life, Jerry Boyd, is reminding me to remind you that it, this is Right to Life Sunday. And if you would like to, to take part of Sunset uh, Avenue... And uh, we have some signs that you can just check with Jerry as you go out and, and pick a spot. And uh, we have a, kind of a designated area of sunset, but we can, we'll, uh, we'll let him decide where we're going to go. But if, if you can do that, and it's between... Okay, oh, to, toward town, toward Steubenville. And, uh, and that's at 2 o'clock, Jerry, right? Two to three, if you can do that, and you can pick up a sign even before you go, and then you can just go there after lunch. That would be good. Thank you, Jerry. He will not let me forget that. Have I told you lately that I think this book is absolutely awesome? And, and I, you know, I, I like two or three versions, translations, pretty well. But, but I enjoy a lot of them. And, but even as I, regardless, I, I get into this Bible and it just seems like every morning, and I like the morning, God begins to say, I want to talk to you, Gary. And, and it's not like at 4 o'clock in the morning or 4.30, 5 o'clock when I, that's, a, that's the curse of my age. You know, I just get up. You know, and, and so I, I, I get up in the morning and, and God doesn't say, hey, Pastor Gary, I have a sermon for you. He says, Albert, this is for you. And, and this is how I want to talk to you and show you my love for you today. And, and, and it's, it's so fun. And as I begin to read, and then I begin to, to look at the, at, at the different words, and as I begin to prepare for our, our message on Sunday morning, I say, isn't that interesting how God just opens up and reveals certain things? Matthew Townsend, who's uh, recovering from jaw surgery, we've been praying for him. And uh, he's looking pretty good, actually, wasn't he? Little puffy, as you can imagine. It's starting to go down. And uh, we just uh, are excited to, to see that everything went well. And he got out of, almost ahead of schedule out of the hospital. And uh, he's home now. And the surgery on Thursday. But he was, he was speaking to the youth uh, this last week. And had a marvelous message. And part of it was saying, youth, we need to get into this Bible. And I said, and I was listening to him, and I was enjoying his message that he was giving to the youth. And they, they have a, a special speaker this week, so it's going to be good again. You know, but, but he was saying, you know, we need to get into the Bible and begin to see how God wants to speak to us. And understand that these words are powerful. And, and I want to direct your attention to Mark 6. If, uh, excuse me, Mark 8. Mark chapter 8, and we'll, we'll get into Mark 6 a little bit later, and as we survey it just a tad, Mark 6 and Mark 8 together. But first I want us to look at a particular healing in Mark chapter 8. And I'll give you just a minute to find it. 
And then we're going to see what God wants to say to us through this portion of God's word, his word, his letter to us. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. Lord, as we take this word today, as we begin to explore it, as we begin to see what you want to say to us through this, Lord, just uh, open it up to me. Even modify if you need to what I have prepared to say. If you have other things or you want to change what I have planned, Lord, you do that as we look into this scripture and this story today. In the precious name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 8, verse 22 to 26. Now, let me try something. If, if I said a little phrase, I wonder if you could finish it. I can see clearly now. How is it that you know that? The rain is gone. You know, we, we enjoy seeing things clearly, don't we? For the most part. For the most part. Now, when my wife especially, and she knew this was going to be coming, when, when she uh, started to uh, hear what I'm starting to say, because she likes things, and when we're in the car together, one drop of rain comes down on the windshield. You better start that windshield wash. No, she says it nice, though. Actually, she will let a few drops come down. She might say the windshield is covered with raindrops. And then she finally says, you can get the truth out of her. I'm, I'm kind of preaching here to illustrate. But interestingly, she likes that. How many have husbands that do the same thing? Yes, yes. We don't like that flap, 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 you know. And I tell Gloria that I am not looking at the windshield. I'm looking through the windshield to the road. And I can see clearly. <laughs> but, no, 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 no. no I, I, just to keep peace in the car. You know, I'll, I'll start it going. I'm intermittent, you know, every five seconds or so. And usually when she gets in the car, what's the other thing you'll do? She will say, are you actually looking through those glasses? How can you even see anything out of them? And I say, 
Mrs. Holberg. You know, I look through the glasses. I don't look at the glass. But for to keep peace, to keep peace in the Holberg household, uh, and to go and to move on to another subject, I will give her my glasses, and I can still see reasonably well uh, to to be able to not fall off the road. So she will take the, her special little cloth that she got from Stuff Mart, I mean Walmart, and she will start to clean that up. And then I'll put those glasses on and I'll say, Whoo, I can see clearly now. <laughs> yes, and, and it's very interesting how that's the desire, isn't it? That we, we want to see clearly. And, and as we look at this text today, we look at this uh, Mark 8, and we see how, uh, how Jesus is trying to, to illustrate something in this story that's beyond physical uh, healing and beyond a physical problem. And we're going to begin to explore this just a little bit this morning. But let's, let's start to kind of pull it apart. Let's begin with that first verse. They came to Bethsaida. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Now, when I start to see that first phrase of that that story, something just jumps out at me again. Some people brought. Where's my invitation card? Some people brought a blind man. You understand that the two would have never got connected if some people wouldn't have brought the blind man. How many out here are where you are today in God? Because there was somebody that brought you or paid an interest in you. Some people, and they were passionate. Now, I, I've, I, I kind of run around to Jerry Boyd once in a while. And did he step out for a second? Where did he go? Maybe it's good that he's not hearing this story. Because it's a Jerry Boyd story, if there ever was one. But, but way back, Jim Gorby worked with Jerry Boyd. And, and they, Jim was a church guy. Jerry was, could you say he wasn't a church guy? Would that be safe, Jim? Come up here a minute. And. Oh, I get to tell him this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, you began to have an interest in this guy. You saw him at work, and you, you started saying, Jerry, there's something that needs to happen in your life. And, and this, as all Jim Gorby and, uh, and Jerry Boyd stories that go, they can be long. <laughs> and I said, Jim, try to shorten it up for us a little bit. Because I, I want to point out the, the, the fact that he took interest in this guy. So uh, give me a little bit of it. Well, Jerry, Jerry started with Signode in uh, 1964. And uh, he was just another young man that came in to, to work. Mm-hmm. But uh, <clears throat> while uh, 
Jerry was there, uh, I noticed that he wasn't like most young men. He was very, very, very wayward. I mean, Jerry left a trail wherever he went. And uh, I don't know where... I don't know where Jerry is now. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. Here, here he comes now. Anyhow, Jerry started in 1964, and like I say, he was a very, very wayward young man. And, of course, as soon as I could, I got around to witness to him about the Lord. And he wouldn't have very much to do with me. But the thing is, I tried to let my light shine where I was. And uh, Jerry, he, uh, he was a young man, very independent and had headstrong and knew what he wanted in life and everything. And he, uh, he, was, he was pretty ornery. <laughs> but uh, Jerry got married, and uh, so the, the moment of bliss was over pretty quick, you know, and he and... Uh, had his problems at home. And, but that didn't stop Jerry from going out with his friends like he always had. And I would try to tell Jerry, you know, you, you, have, you have a home and everything. And Anyway, to make the long story short, I didn't get very far with Jerry until one day he came to me and he was crying. And uh, he said, uh, Linda is divorcing me. And uh, he said, uh, he said, I, I really, I love my wife and my kids. I'll do anything I can to get them back. And I said, no, you won't. I said, you'll be the same guy you've always been. And I leaned on him hard. And then he would come back to me maybe the next day or the day after, and he would be in tears and telling me how he loved his family. And uh, I leaned on him hard because he wasn't listening to me all these years. And uh, so finally, uh, one day, uh, we were having a, a group of the community uh, choir here in the Wintersville area came to our church down on the Stell Avenue to sing. Well, Jerry's two children was with that group. And Linda brought the children there, of course, to sing. And the, and the place was packed out. There wasn't a place to sit anywhere in the place except beside Linda. So Jerry, Jerry went down and sat by Linda. And uh, the kids done their singing and everything Everything went real well. And then, I don't know whether it was that day or it was a Sunday, next Sunday, or when it was, Jerry went forward, gave his heart to the Lord. That was a big day for me. And uh, he, uh, he straightened his life up. And uh, anyway, uh, he... Uh, in the, in the meantime, he and Linda had been divorced, of course, 
and uh, they were not married when he sat beside her. So uh, they, uh, Jerry ended up giving his life to the Lord. And uh, then he and Linda asked me to perform a wedding ceremony in their home, in the living room in their home. The son stood beside Jerry, and the daughter beside Linda. And we had a wedding ceremony, and his uncle and aunt, his uncle was the plant manager of Signode. His father-in-law, uh, he, he was the chief uh, inspector of the plant. Mm-hmm. And at that time, they hated me for doing this. And I told them privately before the wedding, I said, the kids need a dad and mom together. Amen. So anyway, uh, we had this wedding ceremony, and I think that was in 1981. Okay. And i got to cut you off here pretty quick. Okay. But, but interestingly enough, the life's, a life was changed. A life was changed. Because there was a man that sought passionately to bring him to Jesus. A community was changed. A community. Jerry was known all over around the community. <laughs> hey, thank you, Jimmy. Thank you. And I, I, I wanted you to hear that present, almost present-day story, and, and, and Jerry is, is just a, a wonderful man of God now. Because there was somebody like the men that brought the blind man to Jesus. There was a beginning there, and they were passionate about it. They were passionate about connecting Jesus. They begged Jesus to touch him. I wonder sometimes, are we passionate enough about the people next to us? And do we ask the Holy Spirit to keep working in that person, or do we give up on them? Do we give up on the Jerry's? Do we see what God would want to do? These people in this story, they knew that if they could get these, this blind man and this Jesus together, something would be different. There would be a difference. So the people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him, And he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out in the village. Again, there's there's just a couple of things that I want to mention. I want to keep moving in our story here. But there's there's something very touching about the fact that Jesus would take him by the hand. You know, when you go up to a nursing home or you go to somebody and take them by the hand. There is a sense of connection there. There's a sense of of passion that begins to happen as these two begin to get connected. They took them by the hand. As you try to take some, maybe an an elderly person across the street in an icy environment, there's, there's a, a, a compassion there that, that begins to show him uh, itself very strongly. Took them by the hand. How many remember spouses when the first time 
when it was the first time that your husband took you by the hand. Jimmy, Mary, do you remember that? Yes, yes. And I'm not going to ask Gloria, because that could be embarrassing. But um, that was a special, special time. And I, I, those High Tops gang, I can remember when, and uh, Gracie and Norman, when they went off in the back and grabbed each other's hand and, and kind of f- tried to find it. You know, and, and when God took that blind man by the hand, it, it showed something very strong. It showed a compassion that he had for that person. The touch. And then he led them outside of the village. Jesus led him to a place for his miracle. You see, this is all beginning to, to show itself very intentional, the plan here that, that Jesus is doing and demonstrating. It was a plan, and it wasn't just about healing this particular person. It was a, a part of, of a plan to show the disciples uh, some things about touching people. You see, when Jesus took that blind man by the hand, led him out of the village, it could have well been that you know, he would have got more press if he would have healed that person in the city where the big crowds were. But it wasn't about notoriety. It was about, uh, it was about achieving a goal that Jesus had in mind. And he was, as he was here on this earth, Jesus was a teacher as well as a, uh, a healer. He, he went beyond, beyond that which we might have thought that he originally intended to do when he wanted to show himself as the Messiah. He wanted to, uh, to show a pattern a pattern of things that can be accomplished. Because Jesus came and emptied himself of his divinity and began to work as a vessel, as a conduit, as a connecting point from the Father. And, and when we see this Jesus begin to work with the disciples and the blind man, it kind of reminds me of a bunch, uh, going into the hospital. How many have ever been in a teaching hospital where the doctor would have some students, some people, residents, I think you call them, and they would come alongside. And it's like they're trying to find out how they do this, how the doctor, and, and we happen to have a doctor in the house. And I think, Dr. Scarpone, come up here for a minute and tell me what, these, what appears to be happening in this hospital where that one guy is there. I assume he's the doctor and these three other people are, are watching. What, what's, what's going on here? Well, medicine is still a pretty unique profession in the sense that um, even though you have a lot of what we call didactic, in-class type stuff, most of your education, or a good half of it anyway, takes place in a setting where you have mentors. In other words, someone who is a, we call a senior attending, in other words, he's at the top of the specialty, and there's this hierarchy. And as a you know, medical student, the lowest person in the hospital, and then 
an intern, you're a little bit up, and then resident, you're a little higher. But uh, there's definitely a hierarchy. But there's a mentorship, and that's the idea, is that, and interestingly, we were just talking before the service, that most residencies are about three years after you're out of medical school. And uh, and Jesus had his disciples for three years. Um, And it takes about that time, because, you know, having gone through it, first year, you're totally clueless. Um, you think you know all the book stuff, but there is so much to learn about how to how to handle patients, how to handle staff, how to how to uh, how to run an operating room, how to run a, uh, all the things you do, the leadership aspects, the mentor aspects, and and these guys, when you're watching it, if you find happen to have a good mentor or teacher, you're in, you know you learn a lot off them, and sometimes you learn what not to do too, off the ones you maybe are you don't like so much. But anyway, the uh, the thing that you do by that third year the second year you're starting to figure out and that third year you're actually able to put into practice what's going on and, and if you think about it the disciples were at that point too you know he starts sending them out when he wasn't didn't send them out the first year first time he met them it was it happened over time same with Saul if you look at Saul he was mentored in the church for a while before he went out and began his missionary trips thank you doc and, and as I, I begin to look at this story, and I, as I begin to look at, at Mark 6 and Mark 8, and we see the progression of, of ways that, that Jesus is taking his disciples through this, this training period, we see that God wasn't, didn't send Jesus just to, to go about and heal a couple of people. He sent his disciples, he sent Jesus to show the way, the pattern. And, and Jesus came, uh, laid down his divinity, accepted the humanity of, of the way that he could work, and he began then to disciple and encourage these men. And if you could just show that next slide, and it almost looks like the same thing. Here's the disciples looking about. Oh, this is the way. Jesus would do this particular miracle. And he was trying to, to show the disciples. We used to sing this song that said um, that he came to show the way. He came to show the way. And my Jesus is here and he's trying to show us. He's trying to show me. He's trying to show all of us that there is a, is a way that we can function in the plan of God for our lives and we can be effective. You know, sometimes uh, all these, um, well, let me, uh, well, let me, sometimes when we're in the hospital and these, all these people start to check your stitches out, you know, so, what are you doing there? But, but there is, in, in a hospital setting, it almost seems like there's nothing personal anymore, isn't there? But God is saying also that as he begins to delve into our lives, and he begins to show us the way. He, he wants to, us to function in a unique and special way. Let's, let's go on to this story and, and continue on with, with the scripture from Mark 8. And we see the next part where he, he had spit, when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him. Does, does anybody have a good answer for why he spit on the blind man? Maybe we just have to let Jesus uh, be sovereign in this particular case. 
I don't know why. But, but it, one thing I know is God can do things that he wants to do, and he can do it in the way he wants to do it. God's ways are not our ways. And that spitting, I'm not going to try that here at Word of Life. Are you comfortable now with that? Yes. We won't do the spitting thing. We'll do the laying out of hands thing, but we won't do the spitting. And, and it's, but it's, it's interesting that God is God. We're not. And we can't dictate terms and methods to him. And we can look at, at what he's doing. But, but he did lay hands, it says. He put his hands on him in an effort to connect. And, and we see a lots, of, lots of ways and different instances when, when people laid hands on people. We look in Luke chapter 4. The people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. We see Jesus did that a lot. And uh, we'll notice in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hand. And in Acts chapter 8 it talks about it. And, and first, first Timothy, it says, Be careful about laying on hands too suddenly. We need to be careful with that because there is an impartation. Uh, there is something special. But God tells us when it's properly used and to the right people and in the right cases, it, it, is, it can be very effective. Jesus asked, do you see anything? Do you see anything? It's interesting to note in, in this particular story, and I believe this is the only time when, when there was a partial healing. And normally, Jesus, when he would come into situations that needed uh, a, a supernatural intervention, he would command, he would command the ears to open, or he would uh, declare demons to come out, or the dead to rise, or the lame to walk. So the question that he gave to the man, do you see anything? Is very different, and it's almost odd. But you see, the miracle was to teach more than it was to heal. How many know that Jesus could have healed that blind man completely the first time? He could have done it completely, but, but he is the master teacher. He is the master teacher, and, and he is he's wanting to show that it's all right, and it's all right to pray the second time. It's all right, and it's all right to ask. Verse 24, he looked up and said, the blind man, I see people, they look like trees walking around. Once more Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. Okay, let me back up a little bit and, and let me talk about this. But, but interestingly, that, that Jesus was very comfortable with asking, asking, what do you see? And uh, do you see anything? 
And, and oftentimes when we pray, we can ask, we can say, how's it coming? Do I need to continue to pray? Do I need to continue to pray? That's perfectly acceptable. It happened in, in this particular case, and it can happen in our lives when we don't see something that happens immediately. We can say, has it been accomplished yet? Has it been accomplished yet? You know, we can, we can see miracles. And, uh, you know, I look, Jim and I were out to see Tracy Klein. And uh, she's uh, suffered a setback. But it was marvelous as we prayed and as we see what happened after the fact. That, uh, that God honored those prayers and, and she's still weak, but God has given her some more time to be with her family. And, and we're believing for complete healing. But we understand that it's all right to ask, as Jesus did, do you see anything? And it's all right to pray again. You may be like me that there is some things that have not been answered. There are things in my life, there are some situations in our family and things that we would love to see uh, an answer to prayer in a particular way. But God has set the example by how his son responded in this particular situation. Do you see anything? He laid his hands on him again. And, uh, and then Jesus said something very interesting. Verse 26. Jesus sent him home saying, Don't go into the village. Don't go into the village. Don't go into the village. Sometimes God can do a, a unique work in our lives, church. And we can go back to everything we've done before. And, and we can see it sometimes in, in different situations in different people's lives. And, and as a minister of the gospel, I'll, I'll say, oh man, did that person have a touch, a supernatural touch from God. But they seem to be going back into their old lifestyle, their own patterns, their, their old uh, way of doing things. Going back to the village. Don't go back. And I, I think it's almost as Jesus was saying to that blind man, Mr. That Mr. used to be blind man, things are different now. Things are different now. Don't go back in the village. Don't go back in the village. And it's, it, can, it can be tough. People can be delivered from sin. They can be delivered from drugs. They can be delivered from stuff. And, and then they seem to forget. And they'll kind of slide back. And you, you see how, how God is, is kind of lost, lost in their heart. They've started to go back to the village. You know, as I, as I think about this whole story, and, and I, I could, you know, if, let me just do enough. I'm running out of time. But as, as we, we look at how uh, God and Jesus worked through 
different situations in Mark 6 and March, Mark 8. And we see how different things happened in the lives of these, these disciples. And, and, and Jesus brought them through situation after situation. He brought them through times on the lake in the, in the troubled waters. He brought them through times when they would feed the 5,000 and the 4,000. You see, it was as if Jesus was taking them on rounds and going down different rooms and saying, this is the way we do it. When we have need and we have people that... Uh, like the 5,000 that needed food, this is how we do it. You've got seven loaves, we bless it, and this is how it's done. We see a, a storm on the sea, we can come against that. You see, God is wanting to work. He's trying to show us, and, and sometimes we can be so blind and we don't see it. In fact, as Jesus once said to the disciples, I see that you're blind. You still don't understand. Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? God wants to work in our lives, church. He wants to work in our lives, but sometimes we can be deaf to the call of Christ, blind to our need, dead to our ability to respond in the flesh. But God has our best in mind. He takes us by the hand and sets us apart from the crowds. He is the one who sovereignly brings sight to our dark world. But our sight as the blind man's and as ours and, and as ours and the disciples is not perfect. Just as newborns need to grow, so do we. We need milk at first. We need to be coddled and nurtured. But the expectation is that we grow into a full person, the measure of whom is Christ. We have sight, but we sometimes see imperfectly as through a glass darkly. Danielle Scarpone is going to be talking about um, and using 1 Corinthians 13. In her wedding. 1 Corinthians 13 in part says, beginning with verse 8, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. I reasoned as a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Our sight is not always good. Our sight is not always good. And sometimes our spiritual glasses get dirty. But church, I want to encourage you to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to help you clean your glasses 
So that you begin to see your own spirit, your own heart. You, you begin to see your own relational issues that you have. You begin to see stuff in your spirit. Your unforgiveness, selfishness, disobedience. And you'd like to have those glasses kind of blurry because you don't want to see that stuff. You don't want to see that in your own spirit. But God is saying we can look, we can look clearly at ourselves too. And we can see that God wants to do something very special. Because Jesus and the Holy Spirit is, is walking alongside of us. Taking us on the rounds like the doctor takes the residents and the interns. And he's saying, I can help you with this. I can help you with this situation. I can help you with this problem. But, but we have to be willing to listen. And we happen to have to be willing to allow our glasses to be cleaned by the Holy Spirit. God wants to do something. Open the eyes of my heart. Nick, if you'd come to the keyboard. I, I just want you to reflect for a moment. If you'd just bow your heads. I believe as we mature in, in, in God, in our spiritual life, God is wanting to see to us, see in us, that we are honest with ourselves enough to look clearly into our hearts and our spirits. It's not pleasant sometimes. It's not pleasant sometimes. Because what we see when our glasses get clear is, is a bunch of garbage and a bunch of junk that uh, he would not be pleased with. And even when we look at it honestly in ourselves, we're not pleased with it. But God is wanting to say that he is the God that can restore and he can give spiritual wholeness as we reach out to him. He can give us spiritual wholeness. Take me, mold me. Just stand and sing that with Nick. Take me. Take me.
Lord, we realize that in our, our natural ways, we can be very blind. We can be dead to the Spirit. But Lord, you want to, to restore us. You want to give us sight again. Sight that is, is visible, is, is, gives us ability to reach out in love to our brothers and sisters, our, our work, working friends, our friends at work and at school. Lord, we, we are able to see their need, but we also, as our eyes are clear, as we receive uh, a spiritual healing to our spiritual blindness, God, you're able to, to help us to see that which needs to be purified and removed and pulled away. Help us to look, O oh God, at, at that which should not be there in our own spirits, that which needs to be cleaned up. Lord, do your work. Do your work in us. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And as your heads are still bowed, can I just ask if there's anyone that might be here this morning that you have not allowed Jesus Christ to come into your life at all? Or if you have, you've, you've pulled away. And you know that you need to allow this Jesus to come back into your heart and life this morning. And we want to pray with you before we go. I'm going to just uh, ask as all the heads are bowed, just if you would raise your hand. And we're going to pray with you right now. See that hand? Others? If, if the people that raised their hand would just stay around, or maybe if you didn't have nerve to, to pray or to raise your hand, if you want to just stay around the front, Bob uh, will come up, and if Noreena's here, we'll, we'll pray with you and give you some material to restore that relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask now that you just watch over your family. The Word of Life is here this morning. Just watch over them as they go out, into this world as they go out as missionaries, as they go out to, to touch a world with the light of the gospel. Be with them now. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.